James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. And good morning, one and all. Indeed, it is James Golden. Yes, Mr. Snurdly here with you. It is Saturday morning. It is time for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you'd like to be on today's program, simply dial 800-848-WABC, 800-848-WABC. One more time, 800-848-9222. And, of course, the news has been popping all week. You just heard of the top-of-the-hour news. And people are still talking about the Will Smith thing. As you may know by now, he resigned from the Academy last night. They still may suspend him or not. And that story still goes on. People are still waiting to really understand what Chris Rock's reaction. You know, he's been he's been really sort of a real gentleman about everything. He doesn't let people, he did a show the other night, didn't let people rag Will Smith. He stopped at cold ones. Someone uh, yelled out an expletive directed at Will Smith. He said, no, 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 stop that. So he's, and he hasn't, he hasn't retaliated in public. And you know that, and, and his, uh, his, his mastery of self-control as the events took place was something that few people would be able to do in a live situation so he's really handled himself quite well in all of this. Uh, which reminds me, there's a story in the New York Post today, Bill Maher. I, you know, Bill Maher, half the time he, he says some things that occasionally that are shockingly on point. And then other times it's like, who is this person? Today was kind of, for me anyway, one of the who is this person. He basically said to Jada, Jada, Will's wife, yeah, be blessed. That's all you have, this disease. Go put on an effing wig if you don't like, you know. Really? So there's a story that uh, appeared in the New York Times this morning. The old gray lady. And... Why am I talking about this? I don't even know myself with everything else that's going on out here. But for some reason, I okay, here's the story. U.S. allows hunters to import some elephant trophies from African countries. After settling a lawsuit filed during the Trump administration, the Fish and Wildlife Service granted six permits to bring elephant parts into the country, it may approve more in coming months. Now, it, I had I had forgotten all about the lawsuit. The Trump administration, during their time in office, Donald Trump's administration, filed suit to stop allowing people to come into the United States with their "quote unquote" trophies, their trophies of hunting. And, of course, that was met with more lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera. So in a reversal, the reversal of the position came as a result of a September 21 settlement with the Dallas Safari Club. They were a big game hunting organization. They sued 
the Trump administration in December 2019 for pausing trophy permits. And the Environment and Tourism Ministry of Nambia was also a plaintiff in the case. So now, with the settlement of this case, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has to allow hunters to bring in trophies of their kills. Now, I never, and this is the part that will probably get me in trouble with some of you avid hunters, I have never understood this. I have never understood what joy people have in killing God's creatures needlessly. Elephants are beautiful creatures, as are most things. Now, am I going to get upset if you swat a mosquito? I'm sorry. As much as I value life, no, not that upset. But everything does have a right to life. But when you look at some of the bigger creatures, like the elephants, the tigers, the lions, I have never understood why human beings who are not going to eat these things, you don't need them for food, you don't want them for food, I've never understand this idea of hunting for fun. That, oh, let's go have fun. I remember seeing a picture of some girl out of one of, the, I think, Texas or whatever. She's laying next to a giraffe that she killed. It's like, this is so horrible. Why are you doing this? Why would you, what joy can you possibly get out of taking a gun to a defenseless animal who doesn't even realize that you're about to shoot it? For pleasure, and then you bring home the parts and have a taxidermist work over them and hang them up in your, your whatever, your den. Ooh, look at me. I killed an animal. Look at the head of an animal that I killed. I've never understood this, and I don't understand now. I don't understand how some big game safari club can even exist. Where you go out and you kill these beautiful creatures. And you're not killing them because you need food. Hunting for food, okay, I get that. If you're hunting for food and you rely. Like I I remember watching some show in Alaska where people are taking down elk and they they store them, the, the meat, for the rest of the winter seasons when there's nothing. These are people that live on meat like that for subsistence. I'm not talking about those hunters. I'm not talking about those of you who hunt and then you actually consume what you eat, even though I still think it's gross, but I totally understand it. But to kill an animal just to have a trophy, what is wrong with human beings? And I don't understand how it's still allowed to happen. Okay, yesterday we talked about the Amazon case in Staten Island, Amazon workers won a victory. They unionized. First Amazon uh, workers in America to unionize the plant. And yesterday, if you were with me here on WABC, we talked about the picture that was in the New York Post, and I didn't understand the sign. I made clear. I don't understand why they have this sign up. It was a group of Amazon workers milling around a huge caricature cutout of Jeff Bezos. And one of the signs said, Fight racism and union busting. 
I'm like, what is that about? I thought this was just a union. Well, I found out this morning what that was about. There's a story in the Washington Post. No, let me rephrase that. There's a story in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post, the Amazon Prime Washington Post, about Chris Smalls, who spent the last 11 months in a tiny tent across the street from Amazon Staten Island, 8,855,000-square-foot warehouse. He was fired after protesting Amazon's lack of protections during the pandemic. Now, Amazon said, and this I covered yesterday, that he was trespassing. He was bringing in food in one of their break rooms, so they fired him. Well, Mr. Smalls, Chris Smalls, 33 years old, yesterday was standing in front of a phalanx of reporters and television cameras in the red sweatsuit that had been his uniform during the campaign to unionize Amazon's first warehouse in the United States. Reporters wanted to know how he felt. And he talked to them. We want to thank Jeff Bezos for going up to space, he said, because when he was up there, we were signing people up. And then he talked about the leaked email to the press from an Amazon executive that described him, him, as not smart and articulate. Now, that's interesting, smart and articulate. Remember, Joe Biden praised Obama as being one of the smart, articulate ones. Well, he said they wanted to make him the face of the union campaign, saying that workers would not follow him, that he would fail. You see, Mr. Chris Moles is a black guy. And the press didn't report that yesterday. Now it puts everything in context with people saying that Amazon's approach to this was racist. He was the lead organizer here. And he told the press yesterday they called us a bunch of thugs. Amazon did. They tried to spread racist rumors about apparently him and others that were working to unionize. He said they tried to demonize our character, but it didn't work. Well, I didn't know that liberals, I didn't know that liberals would stoop to such things, did you? So apparently there's been a lot going on that hasn't been reported about all of this. You have Amazon, this big behemoth company, And apparently they've leaked, according to the press reports, in the Amazon Prime Washington Post. Mr. Small says that they leaked emails describing him as a dummy, not smart and articulate. They wanted to make him the face of the union campaign because they said, no one's going to follow this black guy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, who knew? Now, I just would like to stay and point to your attention that it seems that when there are conservatives involved, why we know everything about the way that their businesses run, especially if there's some complaint. Why is it 
that we are only now learning of the Amazon tactics. Why is that? There is there is sadly a lot more crime news. There's a heartbreaking story today in the New York Post about Cade Lewin, lived in the Flatlands, that's in Brooklyn. He was shot, 12-year-old boy. He and the family were sitting in the car having something to eat. And 12 years old, shot in the head. And this was not just a drive-by shooting. It looks it looked like an uh, a execution. Shot in the head, Linden Boulevard, East Flatbush. A 20-year-old female in the car was also wounded, and there was also an 8-year-old girl in the car. The 20-year-old woman is expected to survive. Police don't believe that that anyone in that car was the real target. They think it may have been a case of mistaken identity. This kid was a, quote-unquote, a good kid, a good son, a good boy, in school, playing sports, doing nothing that would merit, as if there is anything that would merit his murder. You may also be aware in the last few days there was a a hero pizza man who fought off two knife-welding muggers that were trying to rob a woman outside of his Queen's Pizzeria. He and the the son and the father who owned the, the shop were both stabbed as they tried to fight off the pair of knife murder thugs who were attempting to rob and perhaps would have done worse to a 60-year-old woman. This happened in Elmhurst. Well, both of them are speaking out now. They're demanding that D.A. Alvin Bragg resign for letting these criminals back onto the street. We're not going to see that happen anytime soon, although... This out-of-control crime, I'm telling you, it is going to come back and haunt this mayor. And the fact that we still have this bail... Look, people are putting all this together. It is not... There is not a disconnect among many people in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania area. People understand why crime continues unabated because of the liberal policies that were put in place by liberals and that are still supported by liberal progressives like D.A. Alvin Bragg. Once again, folks, November is coming. Yes, this is New York. This is an overwhelmingly New York City Democrat state. That doesn't mean the Democrats can't lose elections. And you Republicans, and there is a Republican Party in New York. Yes, it is not anywhere near as strong as the Democrat Party. But you don't have to be this year. You go knock on every single door you can. You talk about what is going on with crime in this city. Talk about why 
Talk about what is going on with the economy. Talk about why. November is coming, and people are sick of this. WABC Talk Radio 77. So today on the program, coming up in the next hour, we'll speak with Washington Times columnist Cheryl K. Chumley. And, of course, in the 9 o'clock hour, our very own Princess of Policy, Diana Mee, joins us. Got a great show lined up for you. You're a part of it. Give us a call, 800-848-WABC. James Golden, Mr. Snertley, we are coming right back. Oh, knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. It is Saturday morning. The Pointer Sisters bring us back on WABC Talk Radio 77. I'm Fire. in your car. You turn on the radio. Turn on that radio and James Golden You're is here with you. I just say no. I say I don't like it. But you know I'm a liar Cause when we kiss fire Gets a little hot where James Golden with you here Again, your telephone call 800-848-WABC is how you reach us There is an Australian professor This is something we've been talking about for the past week, the sexualization of America's youth. And to me, the biggest aspect of this is the sexualization without a moral compass, without anything concerning morality, uh, a religious component, a spiritual component, just, just hedonism. Well, there's a professor at an Australian university who has detailed the different ways that pornography should be produced so that it is, get this, the word, so that pornography is healthy for young people to consume. Again, a professor, Australian University, has detailed different ways that pornography should be produced so that it is healthy for young people to consume. How does that happen? How should it be done? Well, one of the things that pornography needs, according to this professor, is to have more diversity. Yeah, more diversity. We need people from a a, a wider range of backgrounds. (sighs) And he came up with this list of how to make pornography healthy for young people. With the help of sex educators, pornography researchers, I didn't know there was such a thing, pornography producers, adolescent development experts, and sexual health experts. I'm not going to even get into some of the other aspects of it because, frankly, it's just disgusting. Kathleen Catafort, 77-year-old school nurse in Connecticut has been suspended. Well, what did she do? She revealed, the school nurse did, 
that a young student in her school was on puberty blockers and another so students at the school were non-binary. Now, here's what's important in this. The teachers and university officials are helping to keep this information, were helping to keep all this secret from the parents. So in other words, you have children now being given puberty blockers. Parents don't know what's going on. Other people, kids, kids, elementary school, elementary school, saying that they are non-binary. And what do the teachers do? The teachers, the teachers, the school administrators, don't include the parents in any sort of discussion on this. The parents don't know what is happening. Now that she has outed, and by the way, she did not out names, she outed the situation. But Kathleen Catterford, 77-year-old school nurse in Connecticut, has been suspended. At least that's one report. I read another story that says she's been fired. This is in Hartford Public Schools. And what did Leslie Torres Rodriguez, who is the Hartford Public School Superintendent, what does he have to say about all of this? Or she, I don't know whether Dr. Leslie is a man or a woman. Dr. Leslie Torres Rodriguez says Hartford Public Schools strives to provide an inclusive environment where all students feel seen, feel seen, feel seen, feel seen, valued, respected, and heard. We uphold all of our staff to a high standard and trusting them to be caretakers and leaders in the community. We, as a school district, are responsible for the health, well-being, social, and emotional development and safety of all of the children entrusted to our care. It is our responsibility to support our students' growth, personal experiences, personal experiences, and social-emotional development. Folks, are you getting what this is? What the school is saying, what Dr. Leslie Torres Rodriguez is saying pretty much is, Hey, these are our children, not the parents' children. We're responsible for their social, emotional development. Really? We're responsible for their health. What are the parents? The parents just are the breeders, I suppose. You parents are just breeders. And once you've bred the kids and sent them to public school, they don't really belong to you anymore. They belong to the public schools. And if the public school wants to keep knowledge away from the parents, for instance, your kid is on puberty blockers, which, by the way, were never intended for this purpose. They were never intended to be a facilitator of transgenderism. Puberty blockers were meant for a specific disease where young children had accelerated growth and were growing into puberty way too early. And it was a limited use, not, and this is drug has, these drugs have never been approved 
for this use by the FDA, according to a news story that I read last week. Also, another part of this is that, which I didn't realize, same story that I, I cited earlier that I read last week, said that these kids that undergo undergo these treatments have a 50% chance of dying early. 50%. And yet you have Leslie Torres Rodriguez from Hartford Public Schools saying that the school is responsible for the health, well-being, and social economic development, and they're not even telling the parents, hey, your kids are on puberty blockers, even though these puberty blockers could affect these children for the rest of their lives, which may be shortened as a result. Things are truly amiss in our society. James Golden, a.k.a. Boss Nerdy, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back right after this. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Welcome to your Saturday morning. Have a cup of coffee or your second cup of coffee with us here on WABC. Michael McDonald, I keep forgetting, brings us back on our Saturday morning Radio Extravaganza. Loved Michael McDonald. Whether he was with the Doobie Brothers. You know, if you listen... If you listen closely to that you're familiar with, like the um, Christopher Cross album that won all those Grammys, the one with Sailing on it, if you listen to the background vocals, you will recognize this voice because Michael McDonald's singing a lot, singing a lot of the backgrounds on that record, and he's done so many records where he's participating with Kenny Loggins. And then came the Motown Records. Yeah, I keep forgetting. (laughs) You know who may be trying to forget? CNN. CNN has uh, promoting, they're promoting... A new online streaming service. This is the one that Chris Wallace went over there for. Chris Wallace, as you know, he's ragging on Fox now that he's left Fox and now that he's not earning his money from Fox. He's ragging on Fox terribly. Now, Chris, by the way, never mind. Uh, So anyway, he's over. He's stuck at CNN now. And, of course, CNN is undergoing turmoil now that they've gotten rid of Zucker who is, to me, was just a horrible manager. I mean, he drove the place into the cellar, into the toilet of broadcasting. And yet you have all this loyalty to Zucker from these left-wing 
alleged journalist, including Don Lemon, including this, these, what's her name, um, the Briannas and the and the Christinas and the Chris Cuomo, of course, they had to get rid of, and now they they're stuck with Chris Wallace over there. Well, anyway. They started this new streaming service. It cost CNN $120 million to stand up their streaming service. And guess what? Already they're talking about laying off employees from the new streaming service. You know why? Because nobody is subscribing to it. Nobody. Well, so few people that they can't sustain it. Not even in the opening days, after dropping $120 million to stand this thing up, it looks like it is just on the verge of collapse already, which would just be delicious for so many reasons. They started by asking CNN Plus, $5.99 a month. Okay, $6 a month, and we'll give you the very best of CNN streaming. You can stream CNN for just $6 a month. People said, oh, hell no. I'm not paying $6 a month for that rot gut trash. So they dropped the price. Now they're charging $2.99 a month. And consumers are saying, oh, hell no. I'm not paying $2.99 a month for that rot gut trash. So pretty soon, they're going to probably drop it down to $1.99 or $0.99. And people are still going to say, oh, hell no. I'm not spending a dime on that rot gut trash. Already, CNN Plus rumored to be at the verge of laying off employees because nobody wants it. Poetic justice. Let us start on the telephones with Bill from Huntington, Long Island. Hi, Bill. Welcome, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy, WABC. How are you doing? Uh, Good. I wanted to say something about the the young transgendered people, right, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, that you don't hear in the media or even on ABC, right? I was involved in a writer's workshop a few years ago, and there were at least two transgendered people there, right? Mm-hmm. And one of them, the older one, he uh, he got uh, cancer from the hormones, and we watched him die, you know. is really tragic, you know. He changed the username to his girl name towards the end. It's just really, really awful. But, you know, when they stop taking the hormones, the the, the probability they're going to get cancer is, is gets really high. Well, you know, one of the issues that I brought up was the article that I, I cited, and I guess I'll have to find that article just so I can let you know who where the source was, because I don't remember offhand right now which uh, media outlet published this article. But in this article, it said that transgender people have a 50% higher chance of dying early. 
And now you said that this person died because the hormones gave him cancer. I would caution you about making a causation. That takes a lot of knowledge about the internal situation of this, this person's health to make the claim that they died because of something. But there is a lot of literature apparently in the medical community that says it is a risky affair, this, this, this transgenderism, and what it, the things that are involved in making it happen, and, and that the drugs that are used as the puberty blockers for young children were never meant for this purpose. So I'll leave it at that. It is just, I, I, you know what's amazing? The people that are tasked with, the people that have been telling us for years and years that Republicans hate children, that all oh, Republicans want to starve your school children because they don't want your children to have school lunch. Oh, Republicans are evil. They want to push grandma off the cliff, but more importantly, they want to starve the children. They don't care about children. Isn't it amazing to watch the liberals and the progressive in this country abuse children and try to highly sexualize children while they are barely five, six, seven years old? And there's not one of these mainstream outlets that considers this, or at least if they do, they're too cowardly to print it that considers this child abuse. Let us go to Ralph in New Jersey. Ralph, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden. And remember, we've got two hours to go after this one. Cheryl Chumley joins us in the next hour. And our own princess of policy, the wonderful highnessness, Diana Mee, joins us. Princess Di, later in the program as well. Ralph, welcome. How are you? Okay. Thank, thank you, uh, James and, and both. Uh, with regard to Amazon, that's real good and dandy that they would form a union in the workplace, okay? But as you very well know, James, Amazon is a monopoly in this country. We must somehow think of a way how to break up that monopoly. Does even the antitrust law apply to them, okay? Uh, and, and so in that regard, you can also say the same thing about social media. All big tech, right? They're also a monopoly. How do you break them up? Okay, look at the, the obstacle put on the way of President Trump to form to form his own social media platform, and you know that person, right? Okay, so you're putting a lot of things on the table, and Ralph, I love you, but I have to disagree with you. Amazon is not a monopoly. Now, they are one of the biggest retailers in the world, and certainly they're becoming a more powerful company, but they are not a monopoly. Walmart is out there, and Walmart is giving uh, Amazon strict competition when it comes to the retail aspect. Now, if you want to talk about Amazon Web Services, most people don't even know that that exists. If you look at the underlying structure of the Internet, and I don't want to get too technical here, Amazon does have a high market share of web services. And many people rely on Amazon's web services every day and don't even realize that Amazon is in the mix. And so they do have an incredible market share with web services. However, even there, they are not a monopoly. There, 
there are competitors. Now, are they dwarfing most competitors? Of course they are. Are some of their practices unfair? Well, some courts have questioned that, especially outside of the United States. Uh, But it is not fair to say that they are a total monopoly. They are not. And how do you break them up? Well, usually liberals are keen on regulation. They are not so keen to regulate Amazon, nor in this country are they keen to actually regulate the real monopolies, that social media platforms that are fine with censoring Americans' point of view, and in the case of Facebook, interfering with our elections. And yet the political parties, both of them, do nothing to contain those companies. How do you contain them, though? How do you break them up? You break them up with competition. That's how you do it. Okay, are the odds stacked against you as a lowly competitor coming into a marketplace that is already so heavily dominated by companies like Amazon, by Google or Alphabet, by Facebook, Meta, or by some of the other giants that are out there? Yes, it's difficult, but it is not impossible. One of the things that I maintain is that we on the conservative side, who are often the victims, and I hate using that word, but it is true, of censorship from the left, how do you combat that? Well, one of the things you have to do is build a parallel economy. You know, we were buying guns and ammo, they were buying gigabytes. Okay, we weren't really looking at what they were doing as they were building up this incredible platform, whether they be social media platforms, whether they be B2B, meaning business-to-business platforms, whether they were developing as they are now technology that will severely change the way all of us do business and live. There's an article today about how Wall Street banks have now fully embraced cryptocurrency. We talk about this on the podcast that I do every week with James Eisenberg from Interblock Capital. He is one of the um, the tech gurus, as you were. He was there from the very beginning with Netscape and all of that. And he's and what James Eisenberg is saying is that what is happening right now is as big as change as the Internet was, the world pre-Internet and then post-Internet. That is happening now with the economy. It is happening in blockchain technology. And so, first of all, many of us don't even understand that. I urge you to go listen to that podcast. It's called Boast Nerdies, The Future Is Now. And that's what is happening. The future is now. But you look at the advances that are being made in in um in AI, artificial intelligence. Even Walmart is trying to come up with new technology. Not even Walmart; they're huge. All, Walmart is hiring over five thousand new techies right now. And one of the things that they're doing is investing in technology that will allow you for instance, to create an avatar in real scale so that you can, quote-unquote, try on clothes 
virtually. And you don't have to worry about sending, you know, you buy something online and it doesn't fit. This is incredible technology that's happening right now. And let me tell you something, unless conservatives decide, as liberals did, that they want in on the tech game and they start building their own data centers where people can't throw you off because they don't like the conservative thing you said, unless we start building our own infrastructure. And that is what Donald Trump was is attempting to do with Truth Social. That is off, sadly, to a, a, a rocky start. But this is the beginning. They have plenty of time to recover and get better. But we need more than one. How do you defeat these people? How do you break them up? You break them up by being a competitor and by outperforming. That's how you break them up. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. More of your calls coming up right after this. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Motown at its finest with Diana Ross and the Super Supremes on WABC Talk Radio 77. Yeah, I remember listening to that in the car. And you know, one of the, this is yeah, this really happened. One of the th- reasons that Motown took off their music is that Barry Gordy insisted that when they were mixing music, those of you who know about recording will know that's really important. You you mix the music so that you get the final sound. He had them mix it on tiny speakers. That were the speakers that you had in the cars. And so that's why Motown stuff's always sounded so good when you were tooling around on the AM radio in your car back in the day. Really, really genius stuff from Barry Gordy. That's Diana Ross. Let's get back to the telephones. Mary Beth in Long Island. Welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden with Mr. Snurdy. How are you this Saturday morning? I'm fine. Thank you. And I hope you're well. I am. Good. And that's my favorite Supreme song. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, mine, Beautiful. too. I just love it. Well, no, you know, there's another one that I love just as much as that, Reflections. Oh, that's beautiful, too. That's yeah. beautiful. And how interesting that they mix the music with those tiny speakers. He's brilliant. He's he was brilliant. brilliant. Absolutely. <laughs> Goodness. Well, I'm going to ask you to pardon my ignorance on this. Um, I am shocked by that Connecticut story and the nurse who was um, let go. Um, I did not know that schools, nurses could dispense any kind of medication to children. I mean, don't parents have to give permission? Isn't this an illegal act? No. 
It's no, not. and 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 by the way, this the schools may not be, and I don't believe that the schools are the ones. Maybe they are because I don't know. I don't know who is dispensing the medicine. But if you are, as you as you may know, if you are a a, uh, a certain type of nurse, you do have the ability to write us uh, to write scripts. But yeah. but I believe that what what this what she was suspended for was letting parents know what was happening behind their backs. Now it is not illegal in some cases for these schools to be involved with the medical history, the medical choices that their students are making, apparently. And this is one of the reasons why parents are so up in arms. And a lot of this is not medical, but a lot of this is certainly conditioning. Some people would call it grooming, making the kids or or facilitating this belief that they are another gender than the biological gender that they are born with. And in this one case, puberty blockers and the parents don't know that their kid is taking puberty blockers. It deserves a lot more investigation, Mary Beth. But it is this. It's all stunning to me. It is still stunning to me why this is not considered. Well, let's go back. Governor Abbott in Texas did say this stuff is a form of child abuse. And, of course, the leftist media jumped all on on him like he's some kind of nutcase because he said the parents that go along with this, at least the state should investigate it. And the media had a hizzy fit. I think that there is a lot here to be uh, to be investigated. I will let me just be really frank about something, and and try to at the same time be be sensitive. I have a friend, a very good friend, who had to move from the state that he was in because his daughter was going through some of these issues when she was in grade school, and this this particular state has laws that the parents do not have to know what's going on and that the school will, in fact, take over the medical care of the student. This is happening in a state of the United States. And these parents, both of them, moved out. It's on the West Coast. They moved out of the state and got their daughter out of the state, number one, so that they could put her in therapy and number two, so that they wouldn't be arrested for putting their own daughter into therapy by the state. This stuff is happening in the United States of America. It is happening today. And it's, it's hard to conceive it, but the left has totally, their control of the education of our children has to be put in check because you can see how they are abusing it. And what is going on in Florida? There are now teachers speaking out against the law that was signed by Governor DeSantis in Florida. And they're saying they are unhappy because what they're saying is, one of them, I saw the quote, he says he can't believe that he now might be in legal danger for talking to his children, my children, 
if I tell them that my partner and I were out paddle boating or paddling whatever on the weekend? Well, number one, they're not your children. Number two, you shouldn't be discussing what you and your partner do to your first graders. It's not their business. You're there to teach them. Not to socialize with them and share your social life with them. So, yeah, we conservatives, and and Ron DeSantis, by the way, to me is such a hero because he is standing up to not just the political left, the ideological left, but to a corrupt media that continues to try to demean him at every step, to, to demonize him at every step, but he's fearless, as Donald Trump was fearless in standing up to these ideological bullies. And one more thing, this culture war, just remember this. Princess Di and I were talking about this. It was Pat Buchanan back in 1992 that said, that used the words, there is a culture war, and he said also there is a war on religion. Both of those things are intertwined, and we are seeing it right now. This is not just a cultural war. For those of you that believe that sexuality is also tied into morality, the war is against you too. Because what the left is saying is there are no moral codes that must be obeyed for sexuality, perhaps except for pedophiles. And even pedophilia is already being challenged by some of the academic class. So we are in an age where if conservatives do not stand up, your children are going to grow up without the same kind of values that you have. And the schools are the agent of change. They are the agent that are separating your children from the beliefs that you try to inculcate in them as their parents. And they are doing so openly and brazenly. Hour number one, done. Next hour, we're going to chat with Cheryl Chumley. Later on in the program, Princess Di. This is our Saturday morning radio extravaganza here on WABC Talk Radio 77. Have another cup of coffee. Or if you're a tea drinker, have some tea and toast. And enjoy your Saturday morning with me, James Golden, here. I'm Mr. Snurd here with you on WABC Talk Radio 77. We'll be back shortly. Don't go away. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Our number duo... 
on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Glad you're here with us here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you'd like to be part of the program, you can pick up your phone. Give us a ring. 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. Okay, they are still arguing about money. What do they always argue about in Washington, D.C.? Money. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is having another one of her fits. You know, one of the things that will be most gratifying if Republicans, as predicted, get the House back in November will be that this will be Nancy Pelosi's last hurrah with any luck and will finally be rid of Nancy Pelosi, politically speaking. Nancy Pelosi said this week, toward the end of the week, that it's shameful. It's so shameful that Republicans, she's talking about in the Senate, are intent on scaling scaling down the size of a COVID-19 relief package. They wanted $15.6 billion, the Democrats do, and the Senate negotiators with Republicans leading the way are saying, no, we're only going to spend $10 billion. Now, $10 billion is too much. How many of these COVID relief packages are we going to have? This just is never ending. And you know what? Here's a fact. Many of the states... And I'll pull up the article. I read this article earlier in the week. So many states are awash with COVID money, they can't spend it all. They don't have the mechanisms in place. The bureaucracy, they don't have enough people in place in state government to handle all the money that's been sent to them. So there are billions of dollars already sitting around in many states of this union that can't be spent because they don't have the quote-unquote governmental infrastructure to spend the money. And here the Democrats are saying that, oh, we're going to send $10 billion more out, and she's mad because it's not the 15 or $16 billion that she wants it spent on. These people... This money, to me, is all monopoly money. It is worth sense. There is, there is nothing, no mechanism to pay any of this money back. This is just printing money and handing it over to the states. Meanwhile, if that's not enough, Senate, House Democrats, after they, by the way, did a bill last night to legalize marijuana, across all 50 states. Now, some of you may think that's a good idea, especially those of you that are in favor of medical marijuana, but this is what the Democrats are doing. These are their priorities. And now Senate and House Democrats are jumping all over Joe Biden to extend student loan pauses or cancel student debt. Just tell students right now, Oh, you know that money that you owe, that you took out a loan on? Oh, yeah, it's forgiven. It's canceled. How does that work? And if you have paid for your own schooling, if you're one of the people that paid for your own schooling, what does that make you? It makes you a sucker because you paid for school. Meanwhile, these kids today that grumble that they actually have to pay for anything, this administration wants to just tell them, oh, never mind. You don't have to pay the money back. 
This is what Democrats are doing. Senate House Majority Whip, James Clyburn, Elizabeth Warren, Ralph Warnock, that's the Georgia guy, Ayanna Presley, she's the bald-headed one in the squad. Boy, Will Smith, yeah. Ilhan Omar, of course. Pramila Jayapal. All of these radicals in the party are demanding, they're the ones demanding that Joe Biden just, with, a, with his pen, just wipe out student debt. Oh, it doesn't exist. Meanwhile, at the southern borders, a man was busted today, or I'm sorry, yesterday, smuggling in 76 illegal immigrants in the back of a truck with a tarp over them. They were caught in Texas. Now, you may not, we talked about this on my podcast series on the border with Todd Benzman. We've been warning for weeks on this podcast that the Biden administration wanted to end the government's Title 42 policy. That was the COVID policy. They said, okay, we're going to quickly expel migrants because of COVID-19 health concerns. So at the same time, Democrats are demanding more money for COVID relief. They're saying, Joe Biden, let's get rid of the COVID public health regulations at the border so that we can let even more illegal immigrants in here. And there is expected to be a major surge of illegal immigrants at the border because of this. This was a Trump-era rule, and of course, anything Trump has to go. Now, question. What have you people been doing with your children? I mean, not just the schools, but you people. The reason I ask is there's new new research from the CDC. Yeah, you really trust them, right? There's new research from the CDC, AP, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that says mental health during the pandemic wasn't good for America's teenagers. That many teenagers reported emotional and physical abuse by their parents during the lockdown. Nationwide survey, 7,700 high school students found that there were high levels of emotional distress. There were high levels of persistent feelings of sadness among teenagers and hopelessness. These poor children could not even participate in normal activities. And this is not a laughing matter. 9% of them reported an attempt at suicide. It also found, the CDC says, this is the CDC, your CDC, trust them, don't you? That many, 55.1% of teenage respondents said they suffered emotional abuse from a parent or another adult in their house. 11.3% said they suffered physical abuse. Wow. 
Now, I wonder if physical, okay. Okay, so what is the emotional abuse? It's somebody swore at them, insulted them, or belittled them. The physical abuse was defined as hitting, beating, kicking, or physically hurting them. So the abuse was only one of the things that America's teenagers reported at home. 29% of those interviewed said that a parent or another adult in the house lost a job. 24% said that they had experienced hunger. Yet we have all these billions of dollars sitting around in COVID relief funds that the states can't spend, and the Democrats are back at the table demanding more. But I don't know. Do you trust these numbers from the CDC? Do you think that America's parents are that bad that you've got a majority of America's teenagers saying that they've been abused at home during COVID? Do you really think that that is? I don't, I'm asking because I don't know. Do you think that it is possible that a majority of teenagers in America were abused at home during COVID? Hmm. And were you abusing your children is the question. Sarah Palin, by the way, if you heard Bernie and Sid, the best of before this show, uh, Sarah Palin, they had Sarah Palin on with her um, 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 hockey boyfriend the guy that plays hockey. And uh, they were talking about her, her candidacy. She did not make the announcement then, but she has made the announcement that she is running for the congressional seat that was uh, given up when Don Young died in March. Don Young, of course, the oldest member of Congress up until that time, had spent over 50 years in the House. Russia says it's going to stop cooperating with the International Space Station because of the sanctions that the Biden administration and the world has put them on them. There's another space-related story, and yes, I have a podcast that deals with science and space, too. So we've got the Border Podcast, we've got The Future Is Now, which is dealing with cryptocurrency, blockchains. We have recorded the first episode in your COVID stories this week. That podcast will be published in a few weeks. We're going to put... More than one, we're going to wait until we have a few stories under our belt before we release that. But we are going to take your COVID stories. By the way, if you want to get in touch with me, jamesgolden.com or bosnerly.com. Either one, jamesgolden.com, bosnerly.com. You can send me an email if you want to be part of yourcovidstories.com. If you want to send questions in for any of the podcasts, be they on the border, be they your COVID stories. Maybe we you want to volunteer for us to 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 interview you about your covid experience or science is golden we can do that and there'll be more podcasts coming in coming weeks but here's another science story and this is i find a little bit you know i don't know scientists have designed a radio message that is going to be beamed into deep space And this message, of course, is meant to be received by an intelligent life form somewhere in space. Now, Newsweek reported this. Yeah, they're still around online. And they say that scientists are doing this, and by doing it, they are ignoring Stephen Hawking's, the late Stephen Hawking's warning. And what was his warning? 
Stephen Hawkins warned everybody, hey, before you start sending these messages into outer space, you ought to consider the fact that if it does hit alien life, maybe the alien life that it gets to is going to look to mankind as just being a form of bacteria, a bad bacteria perhaps, that they can wipe out. But apparently the scientists don't care about that stuff. They, hey, we're going we're gonna to be in touch with the... Uh, you know, the folks out there in the greater universe. So those are some of the things that are happening. By the way, Joe Biden, more money, also coming under fire from the progressives in his party. Now, you just heard the progressives are demanding he spend, he, he, they spend more money on yet another COVID bill. They're demanding that Joe Biden just erase student debt. But they are annoyed with Joe Biden about one thing. Do you know what that one thing is? In this mega, mega spending bill that he just laid out that they want, five, six trillion dollars more, he increased defense spending. And liberals are having a cow about that. How dare you spend more money on defense? When we get back. Cheryl K. Chumley joins us. We have more of your calls coming up, and we're going to get to as many calls today as possible. Later in the show, our very own Princess of Policy, the one and only Diana Mee, Princess Di, joins us. So don't get any, go, don't, 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 don't go anywhere. We are coming right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. And WABC. Love is a burning thing. Yes. And it makes... A fiery ring. Johnny Cash brings us back. Ring of fire. Bound by wild desire. I fell into a ring of fire. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, 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 and the flames went higher. And it burns, burns, burns. The ring of fire. The Ring of Fire. Ah, yes. Okay, yeah, that's a little variation. I love that song, Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash. Again, a remarkable artist. We have with us now 
Washington Times. She's like the head honcho over at the Washington Times and an amazing columnist. Cheryl K. Chumley. Welcome, Cheryl. How are you? James Golden with you here. It is great to be with you, James. Good morning to you. Yeah, again, we've talked before, and I'm glad to have you back. And I think we have to make this regular, Cheryl, because you write so, and you do your own podcast, by the way. And you talk about things that most people won't talk about, which (laughs) (laughs) the the underpinnings of the culture. You know, Cheryl, this week I, I did a segment. And um, hey, guys, and can you see whether we have that Pat Buchanan uh, excerpt available? And let me know if we do. Yeah, because we played an excerpt from Pat Buchanan from 1992. And I have to tell you, I, it was, of course, the culture war speech. Mm-hmm. And at the time of the culture war speech, I felt really, Diana and me, uh, Princess Apostle, remembered that I was uneasy about it. And. This time, when I listened back to the whole speech, I was still uneasy about certain things, but I realized how much my views had changed on other things. But one of the things that Pat Buchanan said was that, well, let's listen to it. Okay, we'll listen to it, and then I'll I'll ask you the question from there, Cheryl. Go ahead and play it. Friends, this election is about more than who gets what. It is about who we are. It is about what we believe and what we stand for as Americans. There is a religious war going on in this country. It is a cultural war as critical to the kind of nation we shall be as the Cold War itself. But this war is for the soul of America. And in that struggle for the soul of America, Clinton and Clinton are on the other side, and George Bush is on our side. That speech was largely condemned by, of course, the left-wing media. But, Cheryl, in my view, it also began a separation in the Republican Party. That is when, in earnest, you heard some people saying, oh, yes, well, I'm fiscally conservative, but, but, but socially, no. I'm 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 more liberal socially, and then you started hearing, well, no, 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 we can't, we can't, we can't align ourselves with this idea of a culture war. We have to moderate, moderate our tone. And we heard from the Republican establishment that delving into cultural issues too much is a losing formula for elections, and that became the to me the growth of the rhinos. I don't know whether you agree with that assessment or not, but I think Pat Buchanan was onto something when he said there is a religious war. He linked it to the culture war. What do you say about that? Well, uh, I agree, and I, I agree with your assessment first. I, I agree with Pat um, what he said about the religious war, though I have some difference of, of opinion between Clinton versus Bush. I, I don't think it's a political... I, I think he first claimed it was a religious war, and then he put it right back into the political realm. Look, if you're a human being and, and you're alive on Earth, your battle is against principalities. So anything you do in life is a religious war, right? At least that's how Christians believe. It's always 
the Battle of Principalities. And then if you look at the founding of this nation, it was based largely on the fight for religious freedom. So that underscores that this entire nation was pitted against a battle of principalities, right? And so if you go back to the founding of the nation and you look at what's happening today with the turn towards secularism, of course it's going to lead to a political realm that's corrupt, and it's going to lead to a culture that is degrading daily, which we've seen just in the last week, all this talk about Disney. But this is, this is to me, it's common sense. It, it's always a battle of religious entities, always a battle against principalities. Now, you just mentioned Disney. I have been saying that one of the things that concerns me most, and it's not just with Disney, it's with some of the things happening in our nation's schools, is that what we have is sense, this, this idea that children should be sexualized while they're still in kindergarten, while they're five, six, seven years old. They're not even allowed to enjoy their childhood without being sexualized, their prepubescent years without being sexualized. Before they even have the hormonal instincts of sexualization, they're already being sexualized by the left. And I, one of the things that I've said is that part of this is because the left has taken all religious and spiritual connection to sex off the table. I don't care what religion you are. You could be Christian. You could be Jewish. You could be Islamic. You could be Yain. You could be a Sikh. You could be Buddhist. You could be Taoist. You could be any of the major religions in the world. You could, all of them, have a moral component that deals with also human sexuality. What, does, what has the left done? They've made it about hedonism. This is just a physical act. It doesn't have a spiritual or a moral component to it. And that is part of why I think the left is so comfortable in sexualizing kids at such a young age. They don't see anything wrong with it. They don't. They want to take morals out of the equation. They want to be free to do whatever they want to be. When I was growing up, there was that, uh, there was that free to be me type. There was a song out there, free to be me. We used to sing it in, in, in school class, <laughs> for crying out loud, in the public school system. And it was all based on removing any kind of boundaries uh, that guided your moral compass in life. And it's twofold why the left is doing this. Not only does it free the left to then act as, it, as they want in life, as you pointed out, hedonistically, but without condemnation, without judgment, but it also trains the next generation that they can do the same. And so what you have then is coming up a generation of youth who are being taught that they can do whatever they want. And if anybody points out their behavior as wrong, then they're the one that can point fingers and, and cry, well, you're not being tolerant. And so this results in a crumbling of society because it tears apart the basic family roots. And if you look at where family comes from, again, this goes back to the Battle of Principalities. 
God is the one who who has ordained families. God is the one who has made male and female and charged male and female to have children and so forth. So it, it all goes back to a tearing down of the social and, and spiritual constructs of American society, which in turn gives the left total control over how society will, will then be run in the future. This is the war that we are in. You're listening to Cheryl Kate Chumley with me, Washington Times. I urge you to visit her podcast. See, she has a, a few podcasts you can find them if you go to WashingtonTimes.com. And she also has several columns. Cheryl, before time is up, I want you to just uh, talk for a few minutes about the column, one of your latest columns. You talked about the lawsuit that Donald Trump has filed against the Democrat, the DNC, and Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I, I love this. I love this lawsuit because he, he's named like 47 people in it talking about um, going for $24 million in punitive damages for the lies told about him with Russia collusion. And, you know, the left has come out screaming that this is this is a lawsuit that's going nowhere. But the fact is, Donald Trump supporters just love the fact that Donald Trump takes a stand and makes a fight. And that's all he has to do. He doesn't even have to win this lawsuit. Uh, he just has to make the fight, and I think his fan base is going to come out in full support of him. And if he does run in 2024, I think this is only going to help him because it furthers that whole image that Donald Trump has of fighting the deep state, fighting the elitists, fighting the globalists, and so forth. I would suggest to you that right now the Republican Party has three, maybe four fighters. And this is uncommon for the Republican Party. We have Donald Trump. We have Ron DeSantis. We have Doug Youngkin. And boy, is he upsetting the liberals. And we have Kristi Noem. And there are, now those are the most visible. There are others, of course. Members of the Freedom Caucus have been fighting for days. But these are the ones that are attracting the most media attention. It looks like we are getting some for change the Republican Party is starting to develop a bench of fighters. What do you think? I, I would add Rand Paul to that because oh, absolutely. He, was, he was fabulous for the last couple of years fighting Anthony Fauci, who I thought was one of the biggest tools of the far left, the globalist far left. Uh, so, and, and Ted Cruz is still out there fighting. Jim Jordan is another one. But, uh, you know, it, it's good to see Republicans stand up and fight. But by and large, the Republican Party, to me, seems cowed to Democrats. And they have been for so many years, which is another reason why Donald Trump was able to rise to the top, because conservatives in America needed somebody on Capitol Hill fighting for them, the common sense fight. And that's what Donald Trump represented. What a treat, Cheryl. We're going to have you back. We're going to have you back often if you agree to it. You are just of, of information. We appreciate your analysis and your columns. Again, tell people where they can find you. At WashingtonTimes.com or at CherylChumley.com. And thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat with you again. Wonderful to chat with you, Cheryl. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdy, with you here on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back. Before we go, remember, Larry Kudlow comes up after this show. Stephen Moore is here today. Now, Steve Moore, you've got two back-to-back brilliant economists, Larry Kudlow and Steve Moore. And both of them have been up front for years 
as some of the top economists in the world. Boy, do I miss Walter Williams. And we still got Tom Sowell with us. Tom Sowell, of course, uh, you can find him once in a while tweeting. Tom's is in his 90s now. But we've got two of them right here, the most preeminent economists in the world on WABC. They come up right after this show on Saturday. Keep it here. Tomorrow, Cat's Roundtable in the morning, Rudy Giuliana. Rudy Giuliani. Why did I say Giuliani? Rudy Giuliana. Giuliani. <laughs> and Dr. Janine Pirro. All of that here. Don't forget music radio tonight. Cousin Brucie. And we've got Dina Martin. We've got so much here. Why would you ever listen to any other radio station? Ever. Coming right back after this. Your phone calls coming up. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly with you on WABC. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Kenny Loggins brings us back on WABC. Talk Radio 77, New York. You know this song. This was one of Kenny's biggest hits. This is it. There been times in my life And this is an amazing album if you go back and dig it out. Somehow I believe we always survive. I mentioned earlier That if you really listen hard, you might hear Michael McDonald's voice. As a background singer for some of Kenny Loggins, listen. That's Michael in the background. And he does, of course, whenever I call you friend. Remember that with Stevie Nicks. Let's head back to the telephones. Rockland County, it's George. Hi, George. Welcome, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy with you here. Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. What's up, George? All right. Uh, Thanks for taking my call again. So yesterday, towards the end of your show, you were very kind. You let me uh, say my piece here. I said my piece, and I'll remind you. Yeah, I was a contrarian when it came to Chris Rock and Will Smith, okay, if yes. you remember. Okay, yes. you said you you said you peace and that was it. I never had a chance to respond. So I'm trying to respond respectfully, okay? Okay, please do. Okay, so that's my point here, okay? Uh, I you know, I I view a host of the show as the most powerful person uh, around because you're running the show and that's what happened. In the case of the Oscar, okay, mm-hmm. uh, Reese Rock was running the show, okay. Right. You have, okay, you have the audience there, okay, and he threw the first punch. True, it was verbal punch, not physical punch, okay, at uh, the Will Smith uh, wife, okay. She didn't do anything. She was just sitting and listening to him, okay. Uh, I think that this is what started the whole thing here. I 
took it a bit further yesterday when I said, well, I felt that he was, um, he was uh, uh, using her disability. And you said in return, listen, disability is only when you cannot work. Well, there are a lot of people that are disabled and they are working, number one. Number two here, in our life, okay, there are stages in our life when we are vulnerable, when we, when we're very young, sometimes during our life, and sometimes and then when we get to the end of our life, we are weak, okay, and that's a fact of life. And some people take advantage of it, okay. There are some people that are scarred all life because things that was told and did to them when they were young here, okay, and that's what. Uh, some bullies are doing here. And I believe in this case, Chris Rock was the bully here. There was no reason for him. He could come with a variety of ways of entertaining the thing. He didn't have to come and pick on her, okay? Now, it could be, and I don't know, it could be that somewhere along the line before uh, she rejected him in some way, okay? And that was his way of getting back at her. I don't know. It's an assertion here. But my point is here, you can entertain a crowd and not pick on somebody that's just sitting there and listening to you. You, you have the power, and he, he misused it, and he, he, he started the first blow of the fight. You know what? Thank okay, you. let me, okay, George, now I've heard you out, okay? Are you satisfied that I've heard you out? Because now I have to respond again. I'm very grateful. Okay, and I'm grateful that you called back. Now let me respond again. Let us assume and take for granted that you're right. Let us, for the sake of this, say that, okay, Chris Rock was being a bully when he made a joke about Jada Pickett. Let's put that and say, okay, George is right. Chris Rock was a bully when he decided to crack a joke about Jada Pickett, and he says he didn't realize that she was suffering from a disease. He just thought it was a choice that she was going bald-headed. Okay? And the joke was by the way, that, okay, here's G.I. Joe 2.0. Now, if you look at the pictures of the star of the G.I. Joe movie and you put it next to, as I've seen people do, uh, 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 um, Jada, whatever, Jada, then you can actually see where the uh, origins of the joke came from. But let's say, you're right, it was bullying. When Will Smith decided that he was going to interrupt the proceedings of the show, walk up on stage, and hit him in the face, Will Smith blew it. Because that is not the appropriate response. Neither is yelling out, keep my wife's effing name out of your mouth. Keep my wife's effing name out of your life. Like he's some kind of ghetto rat. Not, not cool. And then he jokes later on, well, you know, you can't invite people from Philly anywhere. Like, okay, I'm being a ghetto rat, and now I'm going to blame my upbringing in Philly for it. Okay? It wasn't, it wasn't appropriate at all for him to do that. Now, he could have even though he didn't know he was going to win at that moment. But he could have said, okay, I'm going to address this later. After the show, this guy has no problem getting in front of reporters. They swarm around him. Even if he didn't win the Oscar that night, after the award show was over, he could have 
assemble the group of the press around and say, you know, I really didn't appreciate Chris Rock's joke about my wife. It isn't funny. She has a disease, and he should not have bullied her from the stage. Not, a, not, not appreciated by us. That is one option. He won for the movie role. He could have used that moment to say, I, you know, accept the award. Thank you, thank you, thank you. By the way, I'm a little slighted. My wife is slighted by the joke that was made about her. This is a disease. She shouldn't have been put up to uh, ridicule. He could have done that. And he would have looked like a man defending his wife's honor without stooping to the level of stupidity that he did by acting like a ghetto hood in front of a worldwide audience. So even if you're right, even if we take the fact that you're right, and by the way, by him acting like a ghetto hood, what he did was take away the the celebration for everybody else on that stage of their achievements because he became the story. The center of attention's on him. And then he's got his twerpy little son out saying, yeah, this is the way we do it. And what has his son ever done? So the whole thing is a mess of dysfunction. You know, and I'm getting a little sick of these Hollywood types anyway. First of all, I didn't care about all these stories, Jada going public about who she's screwing and who she's not screwing. Who cares? Keep it to yourself. You don't have to tell us. And then Will Smith with this business. I mean, this is just insanity. This is why people have turned off the Hollywood crowd, why they turn off the Oscars completely anyway. They don't want to see this degradation in their living rooms, and they don't want to see these Hollywood elites with their narcissism and their endless drama. It's not entertaining. And it looks foolish. Now, once again, George, before I go to the break, I'm going to give you the last word. Thank you so much. So, well, uh, well spoken, uh, James, okay? I, uh, I agree with you that maybe uh, Will Smith uh, took uh, it, uh, one step too further as far as getting up, punching, cursing, and everything like this, okay? But you know something here? If uh, uh, if Chris Rock wouldn't start the whole thing here, okay, it would never reach his point number one. And we have to remember this. And by the way, he's make he's become to be very popular because what happens there, okay? Because after he got uh, he got the punch, okay, you know, you know, he, you know, he kept playing it, okay. Oh, you know, uh, I didn't know and stuff like this, okay. But he should have known, okay. You don't make full appearance, period, okay. Uh, under any circumstances here, okay? George, I agree with you. George, I so respect you on that because you're right. When you start making fun of people's appearance, it never leads to any good. It's just, it's just, and it is not good to make fun of people's appearance. I do agree with you wholeheartedly on that. Thank you, uh, James. Have a good day. Thank you, George. I appreciate your call. What a nice guy. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurly, with you here. And you can weigh in on that if you think I'm wrong or right or whatever, if you still want to talk about it. I don't really, you know, like I said, these Hollywood elites, I'm sick of them anyway. 
their left wing politics, their their incessant nar- narcissism on parade, and their and most of them, no offense, are political morons. They don't know what they're talking about politically. Maybe that's not fair to say most. I don't know. The ones that are most visible often don't know what they're talking about. Anyway, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdy here with you. We're coming back. We've got so many calls. And remember, we still have Princess Di coming up later on today, right after this show, Larry Kudlow. And remember, tonight, Music Radio, WABC. Don't go away. Bo knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. W-A-B-C. Talk Radio 77 in New York. James Golden here with you on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. All the notes brings us back. We've got another full hour to go. Make sure you stick around. More fun, more politics, more culture, more life. I want to get back to the telephones really quickly. Let's go to Kathy in Long Island. Kathy, welcome. WABC. Hi, Bo. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Kathy? No, you rile me up in the morning, on a Saturday morning, because every single thing you say is spot on. And I'm just like... I'm so glad there's a voice out there that goes along the airways and tells people what is happening. But I wanted to just touch on one thing with you. I I was telling my girls, when I was in fifth grade, I had to get a letter from my mom saying that I could get a a talk about, you know, a growing up sex, a sex talk, actually. The boys and girls were separated, and you had to get parental consent to have this talk. And it it was, by today's standards, very malign. I mean... But it just kills me that teachers taking upon themselves to teach children things that their parents should be teaching them. It's very upsetting, especially when you come from an era that we had to have sons. And there were people, there were mothers that kept them out and said, no, I would prefer to talk to them. I'll tell them what I want them to know. But it's very upsetting. Now, here's the thing that's upsetting to me. I want to know what kind of company is it? that is supposed to be the trusted brand for children, the trusted brand for families. What kind of company is it that demands, where you have employees walking out with anger, with vitriol, because of a law that says teachers not be teaching kindergartens and first-grade students about sexual matters? And this is what they choose. This is what they choose to make the defining issue of their company. What kind of company is that that is saying, in other words, we demand that teachers sexualize their students while they are in kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. And by the way, We're going to make sure, as one of the executives said, we're going to make sure to insert queerness into our product. We're going to make sure to insert as many gay interactions into our product for kindergartners, first, second graders, because this is what this bill is about. 
And the bill does not specify gay. It's all sexual matters. All of it. Heterosexual, too. One of the amazing things about Disney, when Disney was Disney, was that you could turn it on with your family and not have to worry about seeing some sex scene that you would have to explain to your kid or seeing some scene about something that was villainous, immoral, that was cast as good. No, they understood how to deliver content that families could have, walk away feeling good with a smile on your face and saying, okay, this is a really good message, it's positive. Now these people are insisting that they insert their view of sexuality on your children or else they're going to walk away from Disney. They're going to, I mean, who are these people? So you're absolutely right, Kathy. And as you said, you were in fifth grade, sixth grade. I remember, I mean, in addition to the talk, my dad took the three of us, my brother, my sister, and myself, to some movie that was playing, I don't even know where he took us now, I've forgotten the details, but there was some movie that explained sexuality in fairly clinical terms, and when they thought that we were ready for that discussion, that's what they did, and then followed up with discussion in the house about it. And my mother, oh goodness, my mother, she would always tell my brother and me, you boys had better remember that you have a sister. And you don't treat girls any differently than you want anybody treating your sister or your mother. And she would drill that into our heads. Okay? Uh, Some people didn't listen like me. but Well, I did listen, but anyway, that's a whole. No, I'm not going there. Anyway, thank you for the call. Uh, Let's go to Phil in Ocean County, New Jersey. Phil, how are you? Welcome to WABC Talk Radio 77. Fine, thank you. Good morning. I I just wanted to, real quick, Sister Houston, live session at Sigma Sound. Darling, take me back, I'm sorry. The best, the best song she ever did other than her religious music. The other thing was, uh, I'm up in Stowe, Vermont. We're on a ski trip with uh, Kenny Gamble, myself, uh, a bunch of other people. And they call me into the uh, a room with a little piano in it. And I, they say, Phil, sit down. I want to hear you. Uh, I, I want you to hear this. They played and, 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 and needed one line in Billy Paul's uh, Miss Me and Mrs. Jones. They sat me down up in Vermont. That was finished up in Vermont at Stowe, Vermont. Back wow. in, I think, 19, yeah, back, way back. And uh, that's the other thing. The other thing is, let me bring up, uh, you know, it was a good combination. They, Lynn Sandals, when she used to go back and forth with Rush. That was, oh, that yeah. was like a, a real yeah yeah. If Lynn Samuels were alive today, Joy Behar would have got she would have kicked her in the tuchus because wow. Lynn Samuels was a, was a true left person, not a hypocrite, and she was she was a sweetheart. And and I remember the the, the relationship on the radio between the two of them. You, know? uh, you have a great good. memory. And, now let me go back and just add to that. The Billy Paul song was Kenny Gamble's and Leon Huff's big first big entree, I think, in terms of uh, of a record that that did extremely well for them as writers. That Me and Mrs. Jones song was a smash and still continues to be. So amazing that you had a piece of that. Sissy Houston, a lot of people don't know who she is. Tell everybody who Sissy Houston is. 
It's uh, she's uh, Whitney Houston's mother. Exactly uh, right. And Sissy, and and by the way, they're also related to the Warwicks. And so Sissy Houston, either related to a godmother or something like that. Anyway, Sissy Houston was a solo artist, never gained national attention, really. But Sissy Houston did have a few records that did moderately well. And Phil just mentioned one of them. Sissy Houston was a great vocalist. Whitney totally just blew the whole lid off of everything. Died so young and such a shame. Phil, you have an amazing history. Love hearing from you. Thank you so much for the call. I'll keep you updated on stuff. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. I, have a good week. I appreciate it. Thank you. Let's do that. Let's go to Pamela in Central Jersey. Pamela, how are you this morning? Oh, good morning. Um, you know, I don't believe in coincidences, and um, it's all about the money. And listen, everybody wins for that Academy Award winning night. Uh, uh, the Academy wins. Uh, the people who are going to get a lucrative contract from Pfizer for spreading the word about alopecia, Pfizer wins. Mm. Rock wins. Mm. So, let's see. That is their field, acting and setting things up like that. It was brilliant. I give them credit. Brilliant. Mm. I hear the voice of skepticism there. Why, you think this was all a designed act. You'd think this was a brilliant execution of a pre-planned event where even Pfizer comes out looking good. You wow. got it. Pamela, that's amazing. Thank you for the call, Pamela. Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you. John, Staten Island, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77, Arlen, a.k.a. Mr. Snurley. What's up, John? Hey, Bo. Listen, I was, uh, I'm talking about the budget. Uh, they they want to decrease it, increase it. Well, my thing is with this, uh, the college education, right? What are the two different things of going to an Ivy League school or going to a state college. There's two differences to it. Do you have an idea? One is money, certainly. Yeah, hundreds of thousands that they want to try to write off while the regular kid only went for like twenty, thirty thousand. Right. And the other the other one is the quality of education. You can go to all these Ivy League schools right now and if you say something wrong about being freed in the Constitution, they're gonna block you up, put you in the corner because you gotta have safe space for everybody. Meanwhile, you can go to regular college, and it, it depends on the teachers, but there'll be a teacher that, like, taught you something and said, take this, get out of there, and make your money. So my thing is, with this education uh, the, the debt relief, I want to see the Congress and the Senate, before it even give a debt relief, I want to see statistics. I want to see how many people took courses for engineering, how many people took courses for, um, you know, Thinking about what to do, what are those uh, you know useless courses for two hundred thousand dollars for the year? You know, Rush used thing- to talk, Rush yeah. used to talk about this a lot. The fact that these liberals are running these overpriced institutions that have no accountability. You always hear liberals talk about they want to regulate uh, all kind of industries, yet they don't talk about uh, colleges universities, higher education, how much money they waste on these useless courses that never amount to anything and how the students are underserved. And you're saying pretty much the same thing. These these colleges are not serving the real purpose of education. 
And so why should we bail the students out who pay this ridiculous money for what isn't an education? And the other thing is, a lot of these lawyers, psychiatrists, got their degrees, are probably babbling about saying they pay too much. Every lawyer title who you work for, how many partners make multi-millions of dollars? Tell them to take it out of their pocket and pay for your lawyer course. Don't take it out of regular citizens. <laughs> John, thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Yeah, that would go over like a lead balloon. Okay, my friends, we are closing in on the end of our number duo, okay? Which means we full hour left. Thanks, John. Uh, with three hours to spend with you each and every Saturday, it's wonderful. We get a chance to stretch out a little bit, and I love that. Have a cup of coffee, have a cup of tea, have a piece of toast or a blueberry muffin, something like that. Okay? And sit, relax, enjoy yourself. If you have a view of the water, go have a, a, well, you bundle up a little bit. Have a view of the water with a cup of coffee. Make it a pleasant Saturday morning. We have another hour to go. We'll be back, and we hope you're here with us for our third and final hour. Princess Die coming up. Don't go away. Oh, knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Yes, indeed. Hour number three. Here we are. Now, why am I playing this song right now? Because I always play this song in March. And this year, I forgot. So I'm going to play it now. This is Sergio Mendez, but the song was written by one of the most brilliant composers in history, Antonio Carlos Obin. Now, if you don't know who he is, you know his music. If you've ever listened to any of those beautiful music stations, you know you hear it. It's Girl from Ipanema. It's Triste. It is all of those beautiful Bossa Nova songs that made such an impression on America that it became a music staple in this country. Now, this song was originally recorded in Portuguese. And the English translation is a little bit different than the original lyrics in Portuguese, but still... Waters of March. This was on the Brazil 88 album. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you playing it for me. Uh, let's get to some news, and then we're going to take some more calls. 
And I hate to do this after such a beautiful song, but I have to get this story in. Uh, this concerns, uh, for any of you in Clark, New Jersey, what's going on in your town. There's a mayor of Clark. His name is Sal Bonacorso. I have to get this name right. Bonacorso. Sal Bonacorso. And the police chief out there, Pedro Matos. They were caught on tape quite a while ago using racial slurs, even the N-word, and joking about lynching. That's not the full story. When the police officer who secretly made a recording of them doing this came forward, the town of Clark, New Jersey, took no action to rectify the situation. Instead, the council, the city council out there, quietly, without knowledge of many of the citizens of Clark, New Jersey, they quietly approved a $400,000 payment to the police officer so he could shut his mouth and keep quiet. In other words, it was hush money. All this happened two years ago. Two years ago. The, the mayor of the town of Clark, Sal Bonacorso, is still the mayor of Clark. This all happens in Union County. The Union County Prosecutor's Office took control of the town's police department. A few months after the hush money payment was made, they promised to report on the situation out in Clark, New Jersey. Guess what? Two years later, there's still no report. It's all still hushed up. Meanwhile, the police chief, Maddows, and two other police officers involved in this thing has spent the last year being paid for nothing. They're being paid while they're on administrative leave. This is a disgrace. This is a disgrace. This story ran in Politico, in the New Jersey playbook, in Politico. And the writer of the word says he uses the word allegedly that this happened because it's hard to prove 100% that the tapes are their voices that and haven't been altered. But let's be real. If you look at all the circumstances around this case, it's laid out in the article. It's hard to imagine anything here is fake. These, and I just wanted to get that in as a disclaimer, but this is all what's happening in Clark, New Jersey. And nothing. Those of you re- residents of Clark, New Jersey, you are within the sound of our voices here. This is Union County, New Jersey. Somebody needs to ask, some aspiring reporter needs to ask the prosecutor's office, what are you doing? They need to ask why you still have police officers, three of them, including the chief of police, collecting money for not working after they allegedly used racial slurs, including the N-word, and made jokes about lynching. Why are they being paid by the city of Clark? Why is the mayor of Clark still on the payroll? Why hasn't he been called into account? Now, let me just say this. I am so pro-law enforcement, and I understand that the overwhelming number 
of people in law enforcement, the police officers, the administrators, the chiefs, they're all out to do good for society. But you do have rogues, and these people apparently, if this is true, are among the rogues, and they needed to have been dismissed. This is why, on the other side of the equation, you have problems. Because people that are in minority communities look at these actions and they say, okay, this is typical of the police. This is typical of the blue, the blue walls of silence and all that stuff where they can have their gang of police and they protect each other. And yet people come to our neighborhood and say, oh, oh, why aren't you people talking to the cops? Why aren't you snitching on people? They don't snitch. Or in the case of the prosecutors here, they just look like they're doing nothing. You've got three cops collecting money from the city for not working after allegedly they've used these slurs and jokes about lynching. You have a mayor that's still in office with nothing, nothing taking place in terms of action. You have a press in the New York, New Jersey area who doesn't give a uh, uh, who doesn't care apparently about this two years it takes and a reporter from Politico finally says what the heck is going on here Union County New Jersey so I don't sit and and you folks that are on the liberal side of the aisle who always want to point your fingers at Republicans and say oh you people are racist you people are bigots oh you How about your folks up here in nice little liberal land, Union County, New Jersey? What's going on in the liberal prosecutor's office over there? What's going on with the leaders, the liberal town of Clark? And why has it taken two years before this even comes to light again? This is why there is so much distrust in certain elements of the community about policing. Now, on the other side, as I always must do, the problem with policing and minority communities runs two ways. It's not just one way. Because you've got a lot of people that are teaching their, that are not teaching their children to respect the law, respect law enforcement, and in fact, you have some of these kids and adults who are so disrespectful to people in law enforcement, and you also have in the culture this this sort of belief that there's a glorification of criminality. It's hard to keep your kids away from cops when, at the, on the other hand, you're teaching them to be young little criminals. If they're little criminals, they're going to come in contact with the cops. And so this, this gangsterism and criminality has to be erased too. That's on the other side of the equation. But on the side of the equation of law enforcement, this should not be allowed to stand. These police officers need to have their day in court. And after due process, if they are found guilty, they should be thrown off the force. And this mayor, this mayor needs to be held to account as well. It's disgraceful. Apparently, Whoopi Goldberg, going back to the, uh, oh, before I get there, House Republicans, my friends, <laughs> maybe this wasn't, maybe this was an April Fool's joke. I don't know. 
But House Republicans have invited <laughs> House Republicans have invited Hunter Biden to testify on cobalt mining. They say that's his expertise mining and on electric vehicle batteries since he's an expert. So House Republicans called on Hunter Biden to testify later this week on April 5th. The House Committee on Oversight and Reform requests the attendance and testimony of Hunter Biden, said Ranking Member James Comer. They want to talk about his expertise in cobalt mining, which seemed to secure him uh, a hefty little paycheck from the Chinese. So, this story was announced yesterday, April Fool's Day. Okay, when we get back, oh, I was going to talk about something else. Whoopi Goldberg, I'll let it go, not important. She's taking a little heat for her stance on this whole uh, Chris Rock thing. Chris Rock, uh, um, uh, um, what's his name, Will Smith thing. All right, time to take a break. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly with you on WABC. When we get back, when we get back, the one, the only, her nestness, Princess Die. Don't go away. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Time for Radio Royalty with James Golden and America's Princess of Policy, Princess Di. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are remarkably blessed to have with us Her Royal Highnessness, Her Empressness, the one whose policy reigns supreme, well, her analysis of policy anyway. And, as we discussed yesterday, you don't have to worry about her compass. She is not the mother of some prince (laughs) who was hanging around with Jeffrey Epstein on the Lolita plane. No. We have. (laughs) America's princess of policy, the untainted... Diana me. <laughs> Thank you, Sir James, the Knight of the Golden Order, the Duke of A.K.A. Bo Snurdly. It's always wonderful to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. Now, <laughs> let us get started this week eh, with some Goldman Sachs news. Apparently, Diana, <laughs> apparently your majesty, some of the little plebes, the, the, the peasants over at Goldman Sachs, they're 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 rebelling. They don't want to come to work. What's going on at Golden Sachs? <laughs> it's just amusing to read this article in the New York Post. The title is Junior Goldman Sachs Bankers Threaten to Quit Over Five Days a Week Office Rule. And they are furious that their bosses expect them to actually come into work. <laughs> 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 they can't. Damn it. They're so 
so mad. There, there. Apparently, there's a corporate message board called Blind, in which people who are vetted to actually be employees of these companies can anonymously post what their gripes are. And so, uh, the New York Post went on and saw all these messages from um, Goldman Sachs people. And they are just fit to be tied because they are being expected to actually come into the office after all of this working from home and remote um, COVID work that they've been used to. And they apparently love working from home. Well, who wouldn't? Who doesn't? (laughs) Yes. And so they are just, you know, getting on these boards and complaining about, you know, how they're being bullied into showing up in person. (laughs) And they just think it's just, you know, BS. And they're using, of course, terrible language about top management and complaining (laughs) and whining and, you know, whatever. And so they basically are now decided to quit. They are going to GTFO, get the F out. (laughs) Wait a minute. That's a new acronym. I'm going to GTFO. I love this. So it's interesting, though. The New York Post happened to put the salaries of these people. The average first-year pay at Goldman Sachs is 110 thousand dollars a year for first year coming right out of college and the average bonus is two hundred fifty seven thousand five hundred dollars so these are coddled people these are privileged people and they are so now used to doing whatever they want that the very idea of having to come to work is just to, to them it's torment and torture and they're being bullied to have to do it And these are the snowflakes we used to always talk about years ago when they first started coming out of college. And you and I used to joke, as did everyone in our age group, oh, just wait till they hit the work world. Just wait until nobody's going to put up with their attitude. Well, apparently it is so infecting businesses that, you know, you had sent me another article. Apple is facing the same thing. Yeah, it's going at the the, the multi-trillion dollar company, Apple. The people don't want to, and Apple just built this like huge space looking thing, a new headquarters. It's supposed to be really, you know, plush and all the rest of it. And you've got the Apple people saying they don't want to come back to work either. Yes, and they're saying it on that same message board, which I guess a lot of journalists are now writing articles based on what's on the anonymous uh, postings of Blind, this corporate message board. But apparently Apple employees, I don't give a single F about ever coming back to work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, F Apple. So these are, you know, if I'm an employer, I don't want these people to come back. These are... Obviously, you know, not really deep thinkers. They are not somebody with a work ethic or wanting to contribute. So, okay, fine. GTFO. Guy, bye. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite lines in the Tombstone Tombstone with uh, the one Val Kilmer was in. Oh, yes. Uh, Yeah, well, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly right. And as you mentioned, the perks that were listed in this Daily Mail article of working there, they get a free gym, they get free doctors, they get all this time off. 
you know, sick days, 20 days a year of vacation, 30 days a year of vacation in some cases. And they also are allowed, even though they have to come back to work three days a week, which is just too much for them, they also get four weeks in addition to their vacation of remote time that they can work at home. So they are being coddled every which way, and this is what happened with the snowflakes. They are now infecting the corporate world even more. Goodness gracious. Okay, let's talk, speaking of infected and the business world, let's talk about the rodent kingdom again. (laughs) Okay, executives at Disney have been forced. This comes from the Washington Examiner. They were forced into it. They were forced into opposing that controversial Florida education legislation. They didn't have a choice. It was all force. And and now, poor Disney, poor Disney, they're caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Well, this article in the Washington Examiner, the uh, author decided to talk to brand consultants, experts in marketing and brand managing, And it turns out that none of the people in the article actually know anything about Disney, per se. But they have surmised that before the company did anything, they must have run the numbers and they must have done the focus groups and they must have modeled this decision and they made a a money-based decision. That was according to one uh, expert, the professor of leadership, James Bailey at George Washington University, he does not say that he did any investigation or anything. That's what he says. Well, they must have checked this out because they're a big business. I personally doubt that they ran any focus groups or ran any numbers. They were obviously cowed into this by their own employees. So these experts on brand consultants are saying that this was a smart move and that this they must have been caring about their stakeholders. Now, stakeholders is a liberal word. Whenever you see that term, get your antenna up, because it's a quick substitution that the left makes for the word stock. We all understand the people who actually have a financial interest in the health of a company. Stockholders matter to the old way of thinking about corporations. The new way of thinking about it is caring about stakeholders who are left-wing activists. Stakeholders are the ones who care about what's going on in the corporation, not financially, but to make sure that they do the right left-wing thing. And so that article that we are talking about, just talking about the interest of the stakeholders in what Disney is doing. And that is all that they are looking at. Uh, Disney is afraid of left-wing activism, and they made this decision. Interestingly enough, the stock has declined 3% since this all started. And these uh, experts in brand marketing think that Disney's made a smart move. What do you think? Do you think that this is going to ultimately hurt Disney as I do, that parents, once they start getting wind of how deep this is in the actual product, this isn't just something that employees are saying. They are now changing the value system that most parents had expected to be in the product at Disney to something very different. Do you think that that is going to affect their sales? Yes. I think it is already affecting their sales. I think people are dropping like flies 
from their Disney streaming service. In fact, Fox News today has an article where they they highlighted, I believe, 10 families who've left Disney. And I think that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I've had people telling me and writing to me, telling me, well, there goes my Disney streaming. Now, I have to be honest, and maybe I'll get in trouble from some people who think I'm some kind of a hypocrite because I rail against the rodent kingdom. I do have a Disney Plus subscription. I have a Disney Plus subscription so that I can watch The Mandalorian, so that I can watch whatever the Star Wars offerings are. (laughs) Okay, because I have been a Star Wars nut. Since the first Star Wars, which I went to see 19 times in the movie theater. Okay. Yes, I can attest to the fact that you are a long-time Star Wars aficionado. Do you know the only day that I would take off from the Rush show that when I wasn't <laughs> sick, the only day that I ever took off just is, okay, I'm going to take today, even when he was there. You know I never did that, except for one I day. Know. One day. I the opening opening of a star wars movie in may i'm sorry i'm going to see that i'm going to be on the line for the first showing of the first star wars movie yes and we all made fun of you yes no matter how (laughs) miserable it was even with that stupid jar jar binks in it (laughs) yes well so you're not going to even those stupid ewoks well, well. So, well, are so you wait a minute. So, so Disney, no. So Disney, Disney pulled off this. I mean, you know, this was brilliant, Diana. The <laughs> day that they announced that this guy, this CEO, came out and was all hot to trot on DeSantis. That day of all the publicity, they dropped the new Obi Wan Kenobi trailer. So, on one hand, I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, what is wrong with these people at Disney? These people are out of their minds. And on the other hand, I'm looking at the new Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer, and the Obi-Wan Kenobi series starts in May, and you can stream it on Disney. So after Obi-Wan Kenobi's off, then I will assess whether I'm getting rid of Disney+. Plus. Okay, so that's why I asked you the question, because I think for now, anyway, uh, many parents who've already made plans, who've already promised their children, are still going to visit the, as you call it, the rodent kingdom. I think the trips are still going to come on. And unless this really get has legs, and so far it's been just conservative sources who are actually running the sound bites and the video of these people saying these shocking things of how they are deliberately putting in, as they say, queer material. Queer material. Into, yes, and, and they're saying it with great glee and joy and, and celebration that not only is this going to be hinted at in the movies that Disney produces and in the products Disney sells, but it's going to be celebrated and explicit. And that is something that if more people are aware of or they see it themselves in when they visit Disney or when they see a movie, I think parents are going to be very, very wary going forward, but they have to hear about it. And so far, this has not been mainstream media covered at at this point. Well, you know, this law, the LGBT law, I mean, groups, the LGBT plus whatever else alphabets um, are now suing the state of Florida and suing Ron DeSantis. And I just want to read you one line. 
in a story that was on the liberal site NPR. And get this line. The effort, this is from one of the groups in the lawsuit, and this is a line from the lawsuit. This effort to control young minds through state censorship and to demean LGBTQ lives by denying the reality is a grave abuse of power. When I saw this line, this effort to control young minds, it's like the effort to sexualize young minds isn't a grave abuse of power. Do these people honestly understand what they are saying? Well, I mean, it's the opposite. I mean, everything in this entire story has been distorted because they're the ones who are trying to control young minds with this sexualization at young ages. They're deliberately trying to control young minds by controlling the schools. This is something that has been explicitly, deliberately done by the left for many, many years, and parents are only now starting to get wise to it. And so this idea that, you know, who's controlling who, this is why they're so mad because the the fight has been joined. And this is the line that parents have said all over the country, not with regard to Disney yet, but with regard to school curriculums, curriculums that, that they are saying, no, we are not going to allow this. And that is the thing that scares leftist activists the most, because the force of parents angry is way bigger and, and irrevocable compared to their puny activism. So parents have the, have the, the edge going into this, and the fight has to be continued. I have a way for Disney to get out of this. You want to hear it? Yeah. All right. This is, and, and I'm not a brand consultant or a marketing expert. I just, this is how Disney can get out of it. This whole mess. Disney, all you got to do is demand that your employees have to come to the office every day of their work life. <laughs> and all these rabble rousers will quit. And then you can go back to making family friendly movies and be Disney again. Interestingly enough, already a lot of quote-unquote LGBT plus people, teachers, are quitting in Florida, or they're saying they're quitting. And so, you know, that has been a lot of people's reaction. Well, that's a win, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So they're, (laughs) well, bye, to quote you. Well, bye. Well, Diana, thank you as always. <laughs> Princess of Policy, Diana Mead, thank you for joining us. We love you and we appreciate you as always. And we'll catch up with you next week. Thank you, Sir James. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley with you here. We have more of your phone calls coming up. Don't you dare go away. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley on 77 WABC. Oh, you remember the Saturday Night Live album, Saturday Night. Yeah, you know, the not Saturday Night Live, you know what I'm talking about. The Bee Gees, Yvonne Elman, Saturday Night Fever. There you go. Yeah, this was a great album. And this is Yvonne Elman, If I Can't Have You, Don't Want Nobody Else, Baby, Baby. 
I wonder what happened to Yvonne Elman. Anyway, thank you so much. Let us go to, uh, we're going to go to the phones in a minute. But uh, there is one other story I want to get into before time to, and time is rapidly disappearing here, as it does each and every week. There is a columnist, you might remember this story, there's a columnist who created the notorious, how do I do this? It's the S-H blank, 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 Y, media men, the blanky media men list. Now, this was back in the days when Me Too was all over the place, the, the hashtag Me Too movement. Woman by the name of uh, Moria Donegan created a widely circulated list that listed men that she accused of, or the list accused of, committing rape, sexual harassment, and coercion. Well, she could be very shortly standing trial for defamation of character. One of the men on that list is a New Orleans-based journalist named Stephen Elliott. And her spreadsheet, it's a Google spreadsheet, that's how this thing was circulated, accused him of rape, sexual harassment, coercion. He is suing, claiming the allegations were false, unsubstantiated. His attorney, they're going at it. Her attorney is seeking immunity from from her under a controversial law protecting, get this, social media users who host Orbison. They're saying that these people, if you post something, repost it on social media, you are not legally responsible for what others say or do online. But this case should be interesting because it's going to test that theory. And she may very well have to stand trial for her involvement in spreading this list around. So we'll see how this turns out. And we'll see the impacts that it has on social media, if any at all. Let us go to Jeff in Minneapolis. Jeff, welcome WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden, a.k.a. Mr. Snurley. A.k.a., a.k.a., a.k.a. Bull Snurley. How you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. You know, a gentleman that didn't like that, uh, a.k.a., Obviously, he probably was not much of a Rush Limbaugh fan, too. I would assume that's a given, right? Maybe. I don't know. What's <laughs> what's on your mind, Jeff? So, um, Rush Limbaugh was given the Freedom of Honor Award by President Trump. And in your podcast, you said, you know, we may never know the story behind the story that um, Rush Limbaugh started telling us when he was still with us, but wasn't able to finish. But mm-hmm. I think there's one person... I think there's one person who could find out the rest of the details. And I think that's you. I know that you've got the connections. Is that something you'd be up to? No, and I'll tell you why. Um, For whatever reasons, Rush wanted that to remain private at the time. I think out of respect for him, I wouldn't try to find out. Um, If he wanted the audience to know, he told the audience pretty much everything he wanted his audience to know. And I think the most respectful thing that I could do is not pry into things that he considered private. You know, Rush was a very, very private person. Um, he, which was, which was, it, it goes against what many people thought he was, like this braggadocious and all that stuff. No, he wasn't. He was, he was a bit shy. 
And people laugh at that, but it's true. He was a bit shy. He was so polite to everyone. Um, you could bring Rush a cup of coffee, and he'd look up from his work and just say, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Whatever it is, he was, he was, he was a gentleman in every respect that there could be a gentleman and, and very generous. And again, I'm not trying to make him out to be a saint. I've told people, if you did something, you screwed up on the show, you screwed up. You know, he'd throw you under the, he'd throw you under the bus in a heartbeat, you know, but because he was serious about being excellent. And that's one of the reasons he was, he took his, the idea of being excellent so seriously. And he wanted to be the best. And that's why he was the best. He worked so hard. People have no idea the level of commitment it takes to do what he did. Um, he would often leave the studio um, sometimes before Brian, Dawn, and me were in there and maybe one or two other people. And if we stayed, for instance, a half an hour later, time for him to get home, sometimes you'd hear the printer in his studio going off. He was already starting to prep for the next day's show. He was there early in the mornings, beat everybody there on many occasions. He worked and worked and worked to become the excellent broadcaster uh, that he was. And, but he was very private. He kept his, you know, he, he kept a lot of his personal life to himself. And so out of respect to that, I would never pry into something that he was uh, unable to share with, with the audience. I'm just happy he was able over the course of 33 years to share so much. In fact, in fact, there is a quote from Rush that is spreading all over Twitter. And it started this week. And I wonder, I wonder if we can play it. I wonder if it would be violating any rules or anything. Well, if it does, I'm going to beg for forgiveness later but this thing has been spreading all over twitter for the past week so i think we'll play it for you now so you can hear it i yeah i do we have it down here i think i think okay we're going to play that before the end of the show i think there's a there's a um there's a quote from rush as i said that's been going all over the internet we'll find time and a way to play it Later on. Meanwhile, let's get back. Thank you for the call, Jeff. I really, from Minneapolis. I appreciate it. Let's go to Ohio now. Jay from Ohio. Welcome, WABC Talk Radio seventy seven. You're on with James Golden, aka Mister Snurdley. Hello, Mister Bo. Hi. Listen, in the words of the Reverend Jesse Jackson, if they don't take your suggestion, you must do. What Jesse Jackson suggests, you must resist temptation. You must, you must. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, what is this referring to? Your fetish with, with Star Wars. Ha, 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 Evil Empire. <laughs> so you think I'm, I'm, you think I'm giving too much into the whole Star Wars thing? I just need to to cancel my Disney right now and never mind watching Obi-Wan Kenobi, huh? Listen, if they don't, listen, if they don't change their evil ways, you must, you must resist. You must. Oh, man, you're just, this is just a danger for me. Okay, I'm going to have to think about this because I've been, you don't know, I've been really torn about it. I know so many people that canceled their membership this week 
or, or their streaming service. And I kept saying, man, I really want to cancel. But then I kept saying, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's coming in May, Obi-Wan. And the trailer is so good. If you haven't seen that trailer, you know, look, the Star Wars franchise, Star Wars people will tell you that there have been some hits or misses with Star Wars. A lot of people didn't like the last three, you know, with this phony Vader grandson and then the uh, and, and, and the girl that was, you know, the new Jedi who never had any training, and yet she's more powerful than any other Jedi ever. And then we had to put up earlier movies with Jar Jar Binks, with, with the Ewoks and all that stuff. But then there was Rogue One. Rogue One was one of the best Star Wars movies ever. Then there's The Mandalorian. If you haven't seen The Mandalorian, and then if you haven't seen the new thing with Boba Fett, OM, you know, they've been cranking out some really good stories, remarkably, on Star Wars. So Obi-Wan looks like it could be a hit. So I'll have to make a decision, as you say. I may have to resist. We do have that Rush quote that's been circulating all over Twitter this week. Here it is. Oh, until I'm going to tell you, folks, I think we're seeing enough information on the Bidens now to safely say that Biden will serve at the pleasure of Barack Obama. If Obama gives the green light to Democrats to take Biden out, there will be ample evidence that Biden has lied about his knowledge, his family was selling his name and office with his permission. And if that's, in fact, the case, then there's likely unreported money that will be found. The fake news media will temporarily become hard news media if the decision is made that Biden has to step down. Until that time, they will be covering for Biden. They'll be making excuses for Biden. They'll be ignoring all the negatives. You wait and see. And then watch what happens to their ratings when that happens. Well... That quote from Rush has been, that bite has been all over the Internet this week, all over Twitter, because people are posting it with the with the spate of uh, Biden stories, the Hunter Biden stories that are coming out. So I just wanted to play it for you. So good to hear his voice, isn't it? Anyway, James Golden, a.k.a. Mr. Snurdly, Bo Snurdly here with you on WABC Talk Radio 77. We're coming back. More of your telephone calls right after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's the soul of excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Georgia. Georgia. The whole day through. Ray Charles brings us back on WABC. sweet song. Keeps Georgia on my mind. Georgia on my mind. I said, a Georgia. Georgia. A song of you. Comes as sweet and clear. Uh, your Saturday morning radio extravaganza with Ray Charles. 
one of his amazing, amazing recordings, and what an artist he was. Let's go back to the telephones. Gail, Staten Island, WABC Talk Radio 77. Good morning. What a great show. You know what they should be teaching? What's that, Gail? Schools should be teaching from early on tolerance, the bullying has been around for decades. Now with social media, COVID, lockdowns, mask, loneliness, it's, it's become and it's become tenfold. As far as Disney being brought into my home in the 50s, it truly was a fantasy. Could never afford to go. But as an adult with children and my husband, you know, standing in those lines in the heat, it was worth it. But I did whisper to my husband uh, this could be also, not all, but a pedophile's paradise. And now, to me, when you wish upon a star is a buzzkill. When you wish upon a star, Tinkerbell could light a cigar. What are they doing to our country? I just Goodness. don't understand it. I don't want a stranger teaching my grandchildren about certain things. We learned in the fifth grade the boys were separated from the girls, and the little boys still teased us. But we were separated. Unbelievable. Gail, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your call. And you make, of course, such brilliant points. Let's go to Karen in Rockland County. Hi, Karen. Welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77. You're on with James Golden. Hi. Hello. Um, That one caller was saying that you should forget Juan Kenobi for this year because of Disney. Mm -hmm. I was saying the same thing about the big game. They should nobody should have gone to that either this year because of the halftime show. Oh, oh, I dig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? That turned out to be one of the most widely watched halftime show, or, or, or at least big games in recent history. So I don't know. You know, there's all this assumption that there's public outrage, and that's what Diana was asking, Princess Diana. Is this really going to uh, hurt their bottom line? Or will people just say, yeah, I don't like it, but I'm going anyway because they like the product so much. Interesting. Thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Ernest in Rockland County, New York. Welcome, Ernest. WABC Talk Radio 77. Good morning. Mr. Golden, sir, I just want to say two things. And first of all, with all respect to Mr. Limbaugh, I say we change your name, your middle name, and we get we give you a new moniker, and that is Treasure, sir. James Treasure Golden. Why? You are beyond a gentleman. You're beyond a scholar. Your show is beloved. And to that woman in Gale that just called and what's happening to our country, we should reinstill the 13 virtues of Benjamin Franklin before the age of 20. Wow. And that will restore our schools, our police, our courts, we return the country to the taxpayers, the 13 virtues of Benjamin Franklin by the age of 20. That being said, sir, Disney, we should sue them for one thing, common law fraud. Why? They came out as a family company, and what that producer lady said, she's inserting queerness into everything. Sir, anybody can Google this. There's nine elements to common law fraud. And we can sue Disney in local courts, and that's what everybody should do. Get money from them. And I appreciate you, sir. You're such a gentleman. And common law fraud, we can sue anybody. If they say something about you, 
That's called calumny. When people say, hey, you're this or that, you made an assumption, you have to back it up, or you have caused damage, and you must make remedy. That's restoring our court system, sir, to justice. Ernest, thank you for such a brilliant call. And also, thank you for those very kind words. Uh, James Treasure Golden. I, you know, my grandmother didn't give me my middle name, which I very rarely reveal. I may just have to have four names because I really like that Treasure Golden. I like that. Thank you for the call very much. I appreciate that. Um, Let us see. There is a call that I do want to try to get to, and that is Rich, who has been holding on for quite some time. Rich, time's running out. I need you to get to your point, but thank you for calling. What's up, Rich? Um, I have a poem. I'm responding to Disney with love. They love slogans. So do I. I love the virtue signal. Here I go. Ladies and gentlemen, The Great Mousetrap by Rich from East Meadow. From the great castle by the great South Sea, the great mouse was forced to flee. He could not head to his palace in the west, for there he knew he would find no rest. So he went on his way north to D.C., where he found three fools on a knee. Now, please do not blame Walt, for this is surely not his fault. Disney once gave us vacation and relaxation. Now it's only castration, masturbation, and indoctrination. Always remember, girls and boys, this all began as laughter and toys. And, Bo, I want you to know, soon you will be on with your show. For Mickey is dead, George Soros has stepped on his head. Whoa. Well, thank you, Rich. Uh, 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 we, we have we have we have an applicant for the new port, the new poet laureate here with Rich from East Meadow. Thank you for your contribution to our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Let us go to uh, is it is it Geoff in in Forest Hills? How do you pronounce your name? Hey, Jeff. What's up, Bo? How you doing, buddy? Good, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, no, I just want to say, back in you know, one Saturday, somebody called up there pretty much of a A H O L E, you know, and they said something pretty low to you, and you just you just dodged and weaved, bobbed and weaved, and he didn't even phase you. And I was going to call you before because we we were listening at the county yard. We were like, wait a minute, the guy 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 just said something that we the word that we thought, and I'm surprised they didn't bleep it. But we were just discussing what you guys, you know what I'm saying? Do you remember that? Day? Yeah, I remember. This is the guy that called me the N-word. Yeah. Yeah. We were, yeah. We were like, well, we, we were standing next to you. We would have went anyway. We were standing in the kitchen. You know how we roll? Hey, either you had or you didn't. And if little Johnny played with dolls, we let it go. We didn't break his shoes, you know? Yeah. How everybody else grew up. Everybody loved each other. We were all different creeds, colors. We worried about beer money. That was the main thing. And uh, where were we going to go drink beer? That was it. Now, I think people pay too much attention to this stuff. And, you know, how dare them try to teach our youth, push it on them. You know, you got to let the kids figure this out for themselves. There's enough going on in this world already. We got to straighten out. And we got to worry about this stuff going on. So you got to speak up at your PTA meetings. You get these nut jobs, you know, out of the office. It takes a little time, but that's what you got to do. Thank you. So very, very much. So appreciate your call. Let us go to Rhinebeck and Al. Al, thank you for waiting. WABC Talk Radio 77. Good morning, James. Um, first, let's let's retitle your show, The Morning of Soul, because it was a summer of soul that was just honored. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got, a, get... yeah got the Oscar. Thank you. That's Questlove's yeah, no, we... movie. Yeah. 
Exactly. But you really bring it back. And it was and it's really in part because of you and watching it through the uh, through the lens of what happened with the slap that it brought me back to my Jersey City childhood, going to an all black high school. And 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 I'm reading the message boards and I'm watching the media on YouTube and my heart is breaking because um, the, the progress that was made and the way and the harmony, what we were, you always talk about in your upbringing, has now just been bifurcated. And it's hmm. just so sad to watch what's going on. And I don't know if you've seen any, have you dipped into any of the um, commentary that's going on within um, different factions of the community? Some of them, and, you know, it's the usual look. Liberals, are, you know, this something, it's so often, I, the first thing I think of is something that Rush said. And Rush used to say all the time, Liberals are liberals first. Before anything else, liberals are liberals. So when you look at the comments, I don't care whether they're from members of different black communities, and there are many different communities within, um, with, within the ethnic group. There are many communities. If you look into some of the black communities, you can see really up front where the liberals are because what spews out of their mouths are, is liberalism. Just like if you look at where black conservatives come from, you'll see a conservative take most of the time. So I've looked at some of it, and and then frankly, the last few days, I haven't cared as much. I'm kind of tired of the story now. But I really do appreciate your words and what you said. And let me just say this. I think that we are witnessing a return to civility that is beginning slowly, but it is going to pick up steam. Why do I think that? Well, because there's so many great people in this nation, and we're fed up with what we see happening. So that's it. And we have sadly come to a screeching halt on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Larry Kudlow comes up next. Stay tuned for Steve Moore. Stay tuned for Music Radio tomorrow, Cat's Roundtable. Tomorrow, more Music Radio. And keep it on WABC each and every day. New York, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New Jersey, we are all New York City. We are the strongest, best nation in the world, the United States, a nation unlike any other. May God bless and protect each and every one of you and your families. And look with special favor on those suffering in Ukraine. We'll see you Monday. Bye.